Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. COVID-19 has turned the world upside down. But is there any hope for us in these dark times? As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Amen. That was beautiful. God bless you, worship team. Amen. 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 Jesus has truly overcome the world. Amen. Amen. He has truly overcome the world. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Accra Community Church. Um, the Holy Spirit is here. And if you're in this room today, you're not here by accident. Amen. God has a microscopic and a telescopic interest in you. Amen. As you know, we've been talking about love for a while now. And we've been studying love as part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We established right from the beginning that there's only one fruit. And in the fruit are many elements. And one of these, in fact, the greatest of these is love. Amen. So we've been spending a lot of time talking about love. So if you join us on Thursday for Bible study virtually, if you join us on Saturday for virtual service, or you are in here in person on Sunday, for the past number of weeks, it's just been love, 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 love. Amen. And this morning, we continue on love. And uh, I wanted to call today's sermon, Daughters of Rahab, Sons of Salmon. But I felt it may be a little complicated, so we're just calling it Love Practically. Amen. Uh, And today we'll be looking at love specifically in marriage or adult relationships. So whether it's courtship, or marriage, practically, what is the best Christian approach to it? There are a lot of theories you hear out there. I remember years ago, I heard the statistics that about 50% of all Christian marriages end up in divorce. And it was exactly the same statistic for non-Christian marriages. You know, so basically the success rate of marriages in the body of Christ is the same as for the unbelievers. And when you hang around Christians, you hear a lot of theories on why some Christian marriages fail or struggle. And some of the reasons are very, very spiritual sounding. And some are very scripture union-y, if you know what I mean. If you went to the SU, you know, some of the core things we were taught, they were good. But are they really why marriages fail or succeed? And this morning, I want us to get start from the book of Joshua. There's actually a book called Joshua in the Bible. It's not just a name. 
for some of us, and most of us know Genesis and John 3.16, so we know John. Uh, if you can go to Joshua chapter 2, I forgot to bring my regular glasses, so I'm going to pretend you guys are shining so bright I have to wear sunglasses, <laughs> but actually it's just to help me read. <laughs> so, it's true, you guys are so bright, eh? <laughs> You're shining. The glory of the Lord is upon you. Amen. Joshua chapter 2. From verse 1. It says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Akashia Grove. He instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. Hey, this woman can lie. Eh? I don't know where they went, she continued her lie. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt, and we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now, swear to me, but she could also be religious. She says, now, swear to me by the Lord, that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. Amen. So basically, I think we'll just end in ver at verse 13. This is Rahab, and uh, a lot of theologians believe that the spy, one of the spies, the man she ended up marrying, Salmon, was one of the two spies. And as we look at love in marriage, one of the fundamental things in this story, which the Bible clearly establishes, is that Rahab was a prostitute. The other thing that it establishes is that when two Christian men went out to spy a land, and the first place they went to was a brothel. The Bible is very, very clear on a number of things, you know. Of all the places they could have gone to. I mean, somebody, if you want to be very spiritual, you can say the Holy Spirit led them there. 
I mean, I won't challenge you. I'm not the Holy Spirit and I wasn't there. But of all the places they could go to, they checked into a brothel. And when we get to Matthew chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, the Bible tells us that Rahab married Salmon and out of them, out of that union, Boaz was born and out of Boaz, Jesse was born and out of Jesse, King David was born and out of King David, we are all here. So as we sit here, we are all daughters of Rahab and sons of Salmon. And this is very, very, very important to establish. Because many times when you end up among Christians, you say, oh, you know, that, that marriage is not working because even when they were courting, they were sleeping together. Uh, they didn't practice abstinence. Oh, she wasn't a virgin when they got married. Oh, that guy, oh, the whole time everybody knew him. It's true. It's true that the less complicated your past, the easier your marriage can be. This is a fact. You know, it is it's a fact. You know, if, if you go to the market and you buy too many things and, and they say, I buy it and you have to run, the more things you have carrying, the more your baggage, the harder it is to run. The harder it is to run. But it doesn't mean it is impossible to run. It is harder. It's more complicated. If you grew up like me with a very, very complicated childhood, you know, and you end up marrying a very, very godly Christian woman, it is still more complicated than those who grew up well-raised, very godly homes, you know, grew up straight and proper, marry somebody straight and proper. They don't have much baggage. Some of us, the baggage is heavy. But to say those are the reasons why marriages fail. Because somebody didn't abstain and somebody wasn't spiritual. is against the very evidence the scripture gives us. Rahab was a prostitute. She wasn't a prostitute in some corner of Jericho. Her house was built right on the wall of Jericho. She had prime estate. The king knew her. <laughs> Everybody knew her. Amen. And yet her marriage succeeded. So we'll look at why it succeeded. And practically, very, very practically, what we can all do if we want our relationships, our very blessed Christian relationships to work. And to not complicate matters any further because the scriptures we just read is already quite a heavy story. We'll go to the New Testament to the favorite scripture of all Sunday school teachers John chapter 3 and as you can guess verse 16. But I want to make it a bit more not Sunday schoolish so we start from verse 14. Back to my sunglasses. John chapter 3 from verse 14 to 16. It says, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. 
And verse 16, this is the New Living Translation. I like the way it introduces verse 16. It says, for this is how God loved the world. Amen. It shows you not just that God loved, it doesn't just tell you that God loved the world, but also shows you the process, the how. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. I read into 17. The first thing we learn from verse 16 is God. Amen. Who did the loving? God. It's important. Many times when we come to marriage, the biggest issue is related to identity. Sometimes we in church we encourage people, oh, you know, oh, you know, you have to give your best. You you would have to be loving. You have to do that. And the truth is, so many people don't know themselves. They don't know themselves. I think I'll keep my dark glasses on if you don't mind. Uh, and those who don't know who they are cannot properly give you themselves. Because, I mean, they don't know who they are. What can they give you? Too many men, especially men, are defined by their jobs and by their job title. So the day they lose the job or the day they can't use the title anymore, there's a crisis. For a long time, they thought, I am, so if you ask them, who are you? The title comes first. But the, an, an election comes and your government is gone and now you are not honorable. But have you become dishonorable? You are not your bank balance. You know, when the salary hits the account, there's this boost of confidence. The man can buy the world. And then the day comes when the bank balance is looking at you with red eyes. And this is not knowing yourself in the most simple of situations. When a person thinks it is their successes or their circumstances that define them. But we are not defined by these things. One of the main challenges also with identity is insecurity. Too many marriages struggle because people are insecure. And insecure people are the hardest to love. Insecure people are like sponges. I mean, initially, because they, you know, they receive the attention and the care and the, the attentive, it's amazing when you fall in love with an insecure person in the beginning. But in no time, you realize that they suck you dry. They are like a sponge. They take and take and take. And consistently, you have to do things to assure them that, oh, the person on the phone call is just your colleague. And why is your colleague calling you at this time? And you consistently would have to prove and prove and prove and prove. And you can never prove enough. 
because they are not sure who they are because they haven't come to terms with their past with their present and and it's a problem so many marriages struggle many 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 marriages struggle and at the root of it is actually insecurity an insecure person can compel you to do what you never set out to do because at some point it's exhausting why do many Christian marriages fail and I think fundamental to all of it is honesty you see Rahab never hid who I mean they met her there you know they met her there they went to the brothel and she was there and she was the madame she was a prostitute there was no hiding many times what people do is that they they have a double life you know they have this other life and then they have the church life or sometimes they they have that other life but they want to marry a godly christian woman or a godly christian man so they create this new personality that is church friendly and they bring it to church and so you end up with a situation where two leeches will get married in church and will bless it and each thinks the other is a cow there is no honesty you know so now they get married and you cannot be honest in the marriage because you were not honest in the courtship in your other life maybe you liked to be tied up but how do you tie somebody up after evening devotion so oh <laughs> you know <laughs> And that is why in America, over 60% of church leaders are addicted to porn. 60% over. Why? You should be doing what you are watching. If you were honest with yourselves, you would know where you lean and where your fantasies lead. You know, but everybody has a <laughs> Praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah, sister. Oh, that was deep. That was such a deep revelation. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. But who are you deceiving? Rahab got into a relationship with Salmon, and they both knew who they were. You, when you came to Jericho, you came to a brothel. Stop being holier than thou. And me too, when I was in Jericho, this was my job. Today, we've both given our life to Christ. Fine. But you see, we can be honest about it. Amen. Beloved, I want to assure you that when it comes to love in the body of Christ, the situation, how you got into the marriage is actually not as important as how honest you both are in the marriage. Whether you were the neighborhood uh, playboy or playgirl, whatever, all those things. Yes. If you, you know, there are easier ways and cleaner ways and holier ways to court and to date. But if you find yourself in a Christian marriage or in a Christian relationship, start with honesty. Amen. Say, as for me, this is where I come from. I grew up in Adedengpo. This is what we used to do. Me, this is what I like. Are you pretending to like salad? Yeah. And then you even say, oh, I like Greek salad. You, you like Greek salad. 
<laughs> you like since when? Oh, you know, <laughs> you went to England for one year. You speak slangs. In John chapter three, uh, three verse sixteen, the Bible teaches us God first identifies who he is. You know, this is me. I am that I am. When, when Moses asked him, when I go and they ask, who are you? What should I tell them? He said, tell them, I am who I am. I've, be who you are. Amen. Amen. If your relationship is going to work, be who you are. Be honest about it. Amen. Be honest about it. Start from honesty. All of us didn't get the opportunity. Listen, if Rahab had been the daughter of Mary, the mother of Jesus, her childhood and her upbringing and her circumstances would have been different. Not all of us had godly parents when we were born. Not all of us were born into Christian environments. Not all of us grew up in, under good circumstances. Not all of us were privileged to go to Christian schools where we were taught the Bible. But if you find yourself in Christ at any point in your life, be honest about who you are. Be honest about where you are coming from. Amen. It is the single most important factor in whether a relationship will work or not. Identify, yes, I'm, I'm not defined by my past. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells me, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Amen. But this doesn't mean that I shouldn't tell you where I came from. Let's have honest conversations so that we know where we lean and we know how we roll. This whole Christianese and the, it doesn't work. If you're, if you're going to have an amazing marriage, let's start from honesty. Amen. The next thing is that John 3.16 teaches us that love always comes at a price. <laughs> it always comes at a price. Sometimes marriages struggle not because people don't know the price to pay, but because they don't want to pay it. I have a relative whose marriage was really, really, really bad. Like, really, really, really bad. And the husband was an elder in their church. And the marriage was really, really, really bad. And then one day, a couple came to see him for counseling. And he didn't know she was in the next room. And she was shocked at the quality of the counsel her husband was giving the couple. <laughs> Beloved, many times the relationships are not working. Not because, not because the couple, they don't know what to do. They know. They know what to do. How, how do I know they know what to do? Because if any of them decides to have an affair, when they meet the new person, there is a way they talk to the new person. The tone, the language, the humor, the this, the that. If they have to cook for the new person, there is a way they cook the food. There is a way they serve the food. Even when they go shopping for clothes, for underwear, for lingerie, they're, they're, you know, <laughs> you know, as a friend, you say, you know, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> there's, there's this, I don't, there's, yes. So they know what to do. 
And if people will put a quarter, a quarter, not, not half, a quarter of the investments they make into adultery, they make into infidelity, if people will put a quarter of that investment in their existing marriage, <laughs> the marriage will blossom. <laughs> it will be amazing. The Bible tells us in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. He didn't go and give somebody else a son. Many times we want, you know, <laughs> we want the harvest. We don't want the sowing. This is the problem with many, many marriages. You want your children to look good. You don't want to invest. You know, you want if people come to the house, hey, but meanwhile, you don't even contribute to the rent. You don't contribute. <laughs> and there are many, many women covering very, very lazy men because they think it's the Christian thing to do. Too many irresponsible men walking out there, walking in church. Wearing three-piece suits. Nobody is in three-piece suits, so you know those men are not here. Three-piece suit, shouting praise the Lord, carrying big titles, totally irresponsible. You want a woman who looks good, you don't want to invest in one. You want children who look sharp, you don't want to invest in one. God's proof of love was that he was willing to pay the price. If you want the best, you have to pay the price. Everything that is good comes at a price. If you want the best, give your best. You know, when we talk about God paying the price, we read from John 14, it says, as the serpent was raised on a pole, the Hebrew word for that serpent, that copper serpent, is Nehushtan. And many times in church, we are taught the serpent is the symbol of the devil. But that particular serpent is not the devil. That serpent is Christ. The serpent on the pole was Christ. It's what Christ became out of he carrying all our sins. Amen. It wasn't Satan on that cross. It was Christ. That was the price God had to pay to watch his only begotten son be hung there on that cross carrying our filth and our shame and our sicknesses and our curses and our poverty and our everything to the extent where if you saw him on that cross, he and Satan, there was no difference. That was the price. And you claim you are in love, you don't want to pay the price. You claim you love this job. No, this is my passion. Hey, your passion. And you're 8 a.m., you are still sleeping. Hey, people set off on the road at 4 a.m. They went jogging. You want to be an international footballer. You are sleeping at 8 a.m. Cristiano Ronaldo, number one, he wakes up at 2 a.m. to train. You, from Choco, 8 a.m., you are sleeping. You say football is your passion. Beloved, <laughs> there is always a price to pay. Always a price to pay. You know, you have, you have a fantas fantasy idea of the kind of home. That, that, meanwhile, you know you can't cook. 
And when they say, you say, we are feminist. Eh, so your children will eat papaya. What has that got to do with feminism? No, so now there are things we don't say anymore because it's politically incorrect. <laughs> but really, if you love your children, you are not going to raise them on junk food. Do you know what they put in junk food? Do you know what they put in? Do you think the owner of papaya cares about you? You think they came to Ghana to set up their food business because they looked at the hungry in Africa and they thought, oh, oh, let's help them. You think that is your mission? You know, so, so the, the truth is that for all of us, for all of us, if we are truly going to walk in love, and say that, you know, I want this relationship to work, this marriage to work, this career to work. There is a price you have to pay. There is a price you have to pay. If I can stand here and, and, and read the Bible in English and speak in English and this, this, this. I was born in Elmina. People paid the price for me to be here. It is a fact. This is the fundamental fact of life. Because I have cousins who didn't get somebody to pay the price. And when we speak English, you can tell the difference. You know, when I say pen, they say pen. The pen, brother Kofi, the pen, then you know. Somebody was eating kebab when they could have paid school fees. So, marriages are not working. Not because couples, please don't waste our time with counseling. You know what to do. And I'm not being cheeky. Once in a while, you may meet somebody who is genuinely confused about something or unsure about something. But 90% of the problems people carry to pastor, they know what to do. Because if they meet somebody they like, they will know what to do. If they want to have an affair, they know what to do. They know how to spread outside. They know how to look good outside. They just don't think investing in the house, in the home, is as important. Yeah, don't praise the Lord me. What the Rahab and Salmon story, and this is what I didn't tell you. The word Salmon, the name Salmon means covering. Amen. A man's job is to cover, not expose. Amen. The past is, listen, trust me, the past is not important. You know, this one, they've mixed us with the Sunday school people because of COVID, so I can't be as you know, the fisherman can't come out. So I'm being quite polite about many things, you know. But I'm being very honest with you. The past, somebody's passing, yeah, and then it doesn't matter. Do they want this marriage to work? Are they committed to this? Do I really want, yes. If both parties say yes, mighty things can come out of a broken relationship. Amen. This is the whosoever of the salvation story. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The whosoever. Amen. Every marriage can work. Every relationship can work. If somebody is willing to pay the price. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. This is a hard saying this morning. But we pray that you help us. Help us. Help us know that the rewards we want come with sacrifice. They come at a price. Where there is unforgiveness, where there is pain, grant us the wisdom and the grace to forgive one another. Help our relationships, Lord. 
Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church on Zoom, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.